We don't mess around. We don't waste time. Over here at his hard line. Let's go. Let's go. from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. the show. Let's get started. And good day to all you ladies and gentlemen out there. I am Jason, your co-host with our sovereign Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus at our side, because he is the host with the most and the most high. He is in charge. He is in the captain's chair. Therefore, he's at the helm and behind the wheel. Therefore, he is steering this great ship through these crazy rough waters that we call life. So welcome to his hard line. You are tuned in. Today is Tuesday, October 17th, 2023. You're listening to episode 620. Today we'll be doing a little bit of a reading out of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. And today is a special episode, and it's called You Must Choose a Side. All right. 
All right. I want to clarify that I am not a doctor, holistic health expert, financial advisor, pastor, priest, deacon, biblical scholar, or bar lawyer, and I do not possess any titles of nobility or offer legal advice. I do not have a political degree or have had any involvement with any unconstitutional three-letter corrupt agencies like the CIA or the scumbags at the FBI. And while I am a member of the Michigan General General Assembly, I am not the official face or voice of the National State or County Assemblies. I also want to emphasize that I have no affiliation with other groups who try to mimic the lawful assembly, such as the American States Assembly, National Liberty, Life Force, Speaking 37, Rusa, and Tactical Civics, or any other organizations out there who are outside of the Michigan model. I'm also not involved with any fraudulent status correcting, associated with ABR, Bobby Lawrence, David Strait and Company. That is all fraudulent, by the way, folks. Don't get trapped with that. Furthermore, I do not endorse or advocate for violence, and I am not a party to any deep state cult or Freemasons, nor am I one of the many reprobative miscreants who are actively working at trying to implode the general general assemblies across this land because they know what it means for them when we are successful. Please note that the opinions, thoughts, and statements expressed on this platform are solely my own and for educational purposes, unless otherwise referenced. So there you go. All right. So today is going to be a, uh, it is a special podcast that I have today uh, lined up. And, um, I have a lot of audio pieces that I'm going to get be getting to. Now, we're skipping doing the reading out of Job just because I do have a lot to kind of go over. I was forwarded this video. It was about two hours and 50 minutes long, I want to say. It was just under three hours. I listened to this about three times, no exaggeration, three times. And the reason I could say no exaggeration is when you're sitting in a truck for 12 hours a day, it's pretty easy to listen to a three-hour audio um, over and over and over again. I felt that this audio was so relevant and so important that I needed to pick out key pieces out of this video. And I'll post the whole thing. In fact, I already did post it, but it's probably already buried with a bunch of other posts. So I'll go find it, repost it, and try to make it distinguishable. Um, so it's easy to find if you have two hours and 50 minutes that you want to listen to the whole thing. I highly recommend it. Um, but it's very, very interesting. It kind of goes into the the details about where Freemasons come from and the Roman Catholic Church and just everything in between and just how everything stems back from Cain, you know, Cain and Abel's time. Um, so I have a lot. Of, I got a lot of audio pieces that I'll be getting into. Some of them are four minutes long. Some of them are three minutes. Some of them are two minutes. Some of them are only 40 seconds. But collectively, I think there's roughly about like 30 or 35 minutes worth of audio. I might not be able to get to all of it. So I'm going to try to hit the important pieces, but very, very compelling, very important information here. Um, but, you know, things definitely sound seem like things are coming to a head, right? Um, <clears throat> there's just there's no disputing the fact that it definitely appears as if we are living in the you know in, in the end times and when i say the end times i'm not talking end of the world i'm talking the end of an age right um an age where an awakening of obviously you know we've all heard that term the great awakening right um if you actually look up the word i believe what is it apocalypse i want to say in fact let me look it up real quick in my noel webster's dictionary i think it's a apocalypse or maybe is it hold on a second let's let's see here um apocalypse I think that's the word because yeah, apocalypse is a noun and it means revelation, discovery, disclosure, 
obviously it's the name, uh, you know, the name of a book in the new, te- well, no, it's not the name of a book. I don't know why it says that right here in the new Webster's dictionary, but that's what it means. It means discovery. It means disclosure. That's what apocalypse means. It doesn't mean the end of the world. It means we're about to see the veil get lifted and we're going to see evil for what it really is when all this information comes out. Now, what that looks like, I don't know. I can only guess and speculate. But what I do know is that we do have a choice to make. And that choice will have very long lasting impact, not just while you're here on this earth, but going way beyond our time in eternity, whether that's in heaven or whether it's in hell or what, whatever that looks like reincarnation. I don't know. But before we get into that, I want to read a, a verse, a few verses from, uh, second Corinthians chapter six, verses 14 through 18. I am pulling this from the 1599 Geneva Bible. And it does have everything to do with what we're going to be talking about. Starting with verse 14, it says, Be ye not unequally yoked with the infidels, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said. I will dwell among them, and walk there, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and separate yourselves, saith the Lord, and touch none unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be unto me sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Again, that was Second Corinthians verse, chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. That was the 1599 Geneva Bible edition. So basically what we read here is <clears throat> we find a set of very profound messages for us believers, right? First and foremost, it urges us to ex- uh, exercise caution when forming close relationships or partnerships with people who do not share our faith and values. It's not to say we need to shun them, but it says be careful. Take caution when you form a relationship with these people. This is what it means to avoid being unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, this passage emphasizes the stark incompatibility between righteousness and wickedness, light and darkness. Hold on a second. I got to send a quick text real quick. I'm so sorry, guys. Uh, There we go. All right, done. Sorry, guys. Um, But again, this passage, like I was saying, it does have stark incompatibility between righteousness and wickedness, right? Light and darkness and the belief in Christ versus unbelief, making it clear that these differences should weigh heavily on our choices of associations. Now, more importantly, this passage beautifully illustrates that believers are likened to the temple of the living God. I want you to hear that again. 
believers are likened to the temple of the living God. Jason, what's that really supposed to mean? What's that really mean? Well, what it means is that we, as followers of Jesus Christ, we carry the presence of God within us. And with this in mind, the text that we read here calls for a separation from impurity. It encourages us to come out from among those who do not share our faith, to remain separate, and to steer clear of unclean practices and associations. And this separation is viewed as essential for maintaining, you know, purity and faithfulness to God. Now, finally, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18 also promises that by adhering to these principles and maintaining our faith, we are received by God as his beloved sons and daughters. And it emphasizes the establishment of a close familial relationship with the Lord. In essence, this passage calls upon us to be discerning in our associations, number one. Number two, advocating for a separation from unbelievers and impurity to safeguard our faith and maintain a life aligned with the values and principles of what Jesus Christ would want us to embody. It's very, very interesting what we're seeing nowadays. Now, before I get into some of the audio pieces here, I want to share, start off by saying this. Now, how do I want to word this? For the longest time, I was captivated by the energy of political arguments. Just absolutely thrived on it. I always was looking to engage in debates with those who held opposing views, especially if they lean toward, you know, liberal ideologies or if they criticize, you know, President Trump. It became kind of like an intellectual sport for me of sorts. And sometimes I, I would actively seek out these debates, not only to express my conservative beliefs, but also to prove a point. But now what I didn't fully grasp at that time was that I was part of a much larger, um, how do I want to say it? I was part of a much larger narrative of a, a global narrative, if you will, but more national in our case, right? That aimed to shape public opinion through a variety of means, through mainstream media and social media and music and so on and so forth, right? This brainwashing campaign that took place globally, mind you, okay, globally, orchestrated by powerful entities like the CIA, right? It was all executed through proxies, including mainstream media, social media platforms, and influential music industry. And these forces were molding public perception, subtly influencing our thoughts and beliefs. Now, they were experts at manipulating our understanding of the world, right? And, and shaping our perceptions of the world, often without us even, re, even really realizing it. Now, it was during my awakening process, my departure from the confines of my own ideological bubble, is where I experienced a very, very profound epiphany. 
I came to realize that I had been one of the many who had become ensnared in the never-ending cycle of political arguments. And in my quest to assert my beliefs and boost my own ego, mind you, I had unknowingly become a pawn in a much larger game that I didn't even realize I was even on a game board of. Like I learned the, here's what I learned. I learned a very invaluable lesson here. And that invaluable lesson is that one's conviction doesn't necessarily equate to truth or fact. And this is something most people need to understand, right? It's the power of humility and open-mindedness. But more importantly, people need to realize that a man convinced his will is of the same opinion still. And sometimes you might not even win friends. You might even make an enemy by trying to be, you know, by trying to go in against the grain and, and, and you know, getting in people's faces. People don't want, people don't want that. I mean, do I want that? No. What makes me think others would, right? We've all heard of the golden rule, right? <clears throat> Treat others as you would want to be treated. Well, here at my place of employment where I work at, they have a thing called the platinum rule. The platinum rule. What's the platinum rule, Jason? Never heard of that one. That sounds hokey pokey. What's the platinum rule? Indulge me. Okay, well, here's the platinum rule. Treat others as you think they would want to be treated. Not as you the way you would want to be treated, because who knows? You might not have enough respect for yourself to where you would want to be treated well. So what I'm saying is treat others the way you think they'd want to be treated. Forget the golden rule. It's the platinum rule. Treat others the way you think they want to be treated. How do you think they want to be treated, regardless of how you want to be treated? See, what I also failed to recognize as well was the deliberate attempt to divide our nation. See, I didn't see it at the time, but those at the top of our government, right, the de facto fraudulent government, right, the elitist puppeteer masters up there, you know, the international bankers and the esquires and the bar lawyers, right, all those scumbags, the pedophiles and freaks, satanic worshipers. I didn't realize that these people often acted, again, as puppets for even more influential figures above them were masters at sowing division. They were masters at it. They harnessed the power of politics, religion, and other ideologies to create deep divides within our society. It was all part of a well-thought-out plan, executed by a selected few who understood the psychology of distraction. Now, they knew that keeping us entertained with TV shows and sports events like baseball and football and captivating world of social media would prevent us from focusing on the tr what truly mattered. And we were lured by the instant gratification of likes and views on platforms like Facebook and YouTube. And while the real powers were quietly laying the foundation for further division, we had no freaking idea. It's the whole bread and circus. Now, when I realized or when I recently explored and read the Army, the field training manual that was released to the Army by the War Department in 1929, I discovered the pivotal role that families play in building a prosperous nation. Those at the top understood this as well, which is why they strive to fracture families as well and try to divide families, creating single parent households and making it increasingly challenging for good morals and ethics to be instilled in the younger generation. 
Meanwhile, they insert stuff like drugs and pornography and provocative music, which has a lot of witchcraft and spells behind it. Make no mistake, folks. Don't think it doesn't have it in it. It does. And this is where we find ourselves today. At a critical juncture, it's time to choose our path wisely. Because the consequences of our choices will have far-reaching, potentially eternal effects, not only here on this earth, but beyond. And to aid in this reflection and inspire action, I've gathered audio snippets, like I've said earlier, that collectively form about eh, roughly 35, 38 minutes of, of content. And these excerpts are not just a piece, you know, they're not just pieces of information. They are profound insights into the forces shaping our world and the urgency of our times. Now, let me find something real quick here. Um, who, the, the, the audio pieces, so you know, in fact, let me try to scroll up on my Telegram real quick. Let me find it. Let me find it. Let me find it. I think, I hope I can find it quickly. It's from a guy by the name of Walter Veith, or Veith. V-E-I-T-H. Walter Veith. Let me see. Where is it? I know I posted it. Uh, let me find it. Oh, scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Uh, where is it? If I can't find it here in the next couple more minutes, I'll uh, I'll find it. I'll post it. Uh, oh, you know what? Hold on. Maybe it's in my saved messages. Hold on a second. Um, all right. I can't find it. I, I know I saved it on YouTube, so I'll go on YouTube and I will post it on my page. I thought I had posted it, but I guess not. All right. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> his name is Walter Veith, Veith, whatever. The video is called The Mark of Cain and the Original or the Origin of Freemasonry. Now, this first audio cut is about four minutes long. Like I said, I might not be able to get to all of them, but this is very important information, folks. And like I said, this is the, the, the video as a whole was almost three hours. I listened to it three times yesterday, folks. Three times. Oh, excuse me, four times. And one time the day before yesterday. I listened to this audio four times. So for a collective time of almost 12 hours, the same audio. That's how interesting and important it is. First cut right here. Maybe if I can push the right button. And it's fascinating that the further you go back in history, the more similarity there is between God's law and the laws of the nation. So as people moved away further and further from allegiance to God's law, the laws became more and more and more intrusive and more complex. So let me pause there for a quick second. I know that didn't take long for me to do that, but listen, did you hear what he said? The more that people got away from God's law, that's natural law, a.k.a. common law, the more intrusive other laws became, right? Man's law. And, and, and so I, I want you to understand that distinction, what he's saying there. 
The more that people get away from God's law, natural law, the more intrusive other laws become in our own lives. Continuing. But these people who had these laws ruled with an iron fist over the people of the earth, authorized by God. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13, And thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. So let's go back to the earliest times. Here was a power in heaven, Lucifer, and he wanted to be in charge. He wanted to sit in the seat that God occupied. Har, mountain, that means a kingdom, the parallel in the Bible. So he wanted to sit upon the kingdom of God, as it were, and he wanted to be part of this congregation. So by implication, an assembly, the congregation, a place of meeting or a signal, appointed place, assembly. An assembly. Feast, season, solemn synagogue. He wanted to rule over the people. He wanted to have rulership. Well, we know what happened to him. There was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and they were cast out. And then he came down to this earth, and there was Adam and Eve. And then he worked on their minds, and he deceived them, and he became the ruler of this planet. But God had a way out. And God devised the plan of salvation. And in Genesis chapter 3, 15, we read, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. In James 4, verse 4, it says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So we have two groups. We have the world and we have God's people. Do God's people have a law? Yes, God's people have a law. And it's the law, as we find it in the Bible, which defines character, the Ten Commandments. And is there a war between good and evil? Yes, it's called enmity between thee and the woman, God's people, those who belong to God's church, the woman. So they are subject to a law. They have a covenant with God. But they are not taken out of this world. They are part of this world. And they are living in a world that is ruled, not everywhere, or hardly any place, by God's people. Is that right? So the others are ruling. With what authority are they ruling? And how are they ruling? We'll have to look into that issue. But the very, very interesting. So the, the, the evil, right, the, the other powers are given the ability to rule over God's people. 
I found that very interesting. I was actually a little irritated when I heard that at first. And by the way, I'm kind of reading the comments because Destry was texting me earlier saying that Podbean was giving him a hard time. April said I couldn't get the podcast to open initially either. And it makes me wonder how many other people are having issues like this because I was having issues just as a little side note trying to create a live show earlier this morning. Every time I would hit save, it completely booted me out of the app. So then I went to the app store, re-downloaded it, updated it, still kept doing it. So I was like, all right, forget it. That's why you didn't see a link way in advance. So I'm wondering how many other people are trying to get in and can't. Um, you know, it's it, I'm just, you know, these are the kind of things I keep, I keep battling with. You know, it's funny. And there's other podcasters like, I'm not even going to name names because I don't want to, you know, whatever. You guys are pretty much already familiar with them anyways. But, you know, I never see this particular podcaster have any issues like this. He never has sound audio issues, never has connectability issues, nothing like that. He always seems to be favored there. You know, it's it's really interesting. And I don't have what you would call cheap equipment. And I don't have what you call dial-up internet. I actually have very fast internet here. Maybe not as fast as Destry because he's got, like, lightning speed up there. He's got that you know, that Elon Musk internet up there in Alaska. But, you know, but by my point is I don't have what you would call cheap equipment or cheap service here. I mean, so what the deal is here, I don't know. It's very irritating though. Um, let's go to the next audio. In the case of Cain and Abel, we have a type of two classes that will exist in the world till the close of time. And this type is worthy of close study. So this is strike two. We have to study history. We have to study the dealings of God with the nations. We have to study the providences of God in current times and apply them to what God has promised would happen. That's prophecy. And we are to study these two archetypes. It's part of our, our job description. Cain represents those who carry out the principles and works of Satan. By worshiping God in a way of their own choosing. Does Are you understanding what he's getting at here? You have people who are God's people, right, that follow precisely exactly everything that Jesus Christ embodies, right? Or at least to the best of their ability with a, with a sincere and loving heart. That's, that's following the God principle. And then you got the Cain principle, which is basically you worship God, however you see fit, and however you see fit, it doesn't, it, you don't have to follow all those commandments. You don't, you don't have to do this or do that. That's what he's talking about here is the split between really, truly following God and his principles and the 10 commandments in his natural law versus the Cain principle, which is ultimately ruled by Satan and his minions continuing. It doesn't say they don't worship God. It says they worship God in a way of their own choosing. This is very important. So you're going to have godly people or apparent godly people out there, but they are worshiping God in a way of their own choosing and not in a way that God said he should be worshipped. And we need to be very clear about this distinction. Like the leader whom they follow, they are willing to render partial obedience, but not entire submission to God. The Cain class of worshippers includes by far the largest number. So anywhere you go, God's people will be outnumbered. 
Is that a fact? And so we are outnumbered, and yet we are not taken out of the world. We are in the world, but shouldn't be part of the world. For every false religion that has been invented has been based on the Cain principle. Every false religion that has ever been invented is based on the Cain religion. Now, just help me here. To the law and the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, they have no light in them. Should it be difficult to determine which religion is based on the Cain principle and which religion is based on the God principle? Don't we have a guide whereby to determine this? Now, don't get me wrong. If the vast majority of mankind belongs to the worship of the Cain principle, does that mean we isolate ourselves from this group and have nothing to do with them? Well, then I would still be part of the Cain principle, wouldn't I? because I came out of the world. And so would most of you be part of the Cain principle. Isn't that correct? So we don't want to be part of the Cain principle, and God in his mercy makes a way of escape for everyone who's part of the Cain principle. So you never write them off, but you may never ever forget whose principle you fall under. Now, this is very interesting. Did you hear what he said? God created a way for anyone who followed the Cain principle, even if they don't realize they're following a Cain principle, right? We're talking Christian Reformed. We're talking Catholics. We're talking Lutheran, whatever. All right? All these false religions. What he's saying is God created a way for all of these people who are Cain followers, all right, essentially, if they choose. Again, what's that mean? Are you going to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior? Are you solely going to be a follower of Christ and forget about traditions and and all these fake ideologies and different religions, again, all derived by Satan. It's a divisive mechanism. Started out with religion. Why do you think it goes into different, you know, divisive, to, you know, again, where do you think the CIA gets all this from? They, they, they use it with other areas, with, with politics, with, with everything we just talked about. Because, again, these are tactics by Satan, and they know that people who are divided against themselves will not unite and stand up against the enemy. Let's jump straight into the esoteric world and let me just make plain again that my sources will be the very best sources for those who want to make them obscure. I will quote from the highest occult sources in the world and I will quote from encyclicals directly from the Vatican so that anybody who wishes to say that these are not authoritative had better check them out and see whether it is so. Morals and Dogma, Albert Pike. You know what's fascinating? Is that the esoteric world doesn't deny the Bible. It just twists the Bible. 
It doesn't deny the chronology of the Bible. The evolutionists deny the chronology of the Bible. The esoteric world knows that the Bible is true. That's fascinating. Now, Morals and Dogma, Albert Pike, he says the following, Enoch. His name signified in the Hebrew, initiate or initiator. So he's the initiate of the initiator. The legend of the columns of granite and brass or bronze erected by him is probably symbolical. He's the one who built the city, remember? That of bronze which survived the flood is supposed to symbolize the mysteries of which masonry is the legitimate successor. So irrespective of the stuff in between those two points there, we can say, according to the occult world, Enoch is the initiate and the initiator, and Freemasonry is the inheritor of whatever it is that was initiated. Is that correct? Is that what he's saying? Good. So Masonry traces its origin back to Enoch. High Masonry. From the earliest times, the custodian or masonry is the legitimate successor of the Enoch principle. From the earliest times, the custodian and depository of the great philosophical and religious truths unknown to the world at large. Unknown to the world at large. And handed down from age to age by an unbroken current of tradition. Uh, do we have a religious organization that uh, prides itself on its tradition? embodied in symbols, emblems, and allegories. So they trace themselves back from Enoch, and then they say Enoch walked with God and all these marvelous things. But don't believe everything these people say. Check it out. Do a careful study. So which Enoch are they talking about? Are they talking about the Enoch that walked with God? Or are they talking about the Enoch, the son of Cain? Well, we can find out. Enoch's son of Jared descended from Adam via the line of Seth. So it's a different line. And he's called in the Bible the seventh generation from Adam. And if we use the chronology from Asher that even the spirit of prophecy used, then Enoch would have been born in the year 3382 B.C., that's now the Enoch that walked with God. Pike's book is dated Masonically, and it's dated by Christian reckoning. This is fascinating stuff. It has two dates. One is the Masonic date, and one is the Christian date. And the reckoning in Pike's book to Enoch is given as the year 5860 AM. And if you look that up, it means Anu Mundi, the year of the world. So when did the world as we know it begin? And when did this unbroken line of succession come down the line of history all the way to modern Freemasonry? According to Pike, it all started in the year 5860 Anu Mundi, year of the world. But it also has the normal date in it, 
and it says the book came was written in 1871 AD. All right, so if I want to find out if 5860 Anno Mundi is the same as 1870 AD, then when was it BC? Well, then you have to subtract the one from the other, 5860 minus 1871 to get a BC date from an AD date, you get to the year 3809 BC. So the Masonic calendar starts in 3809 BC. That's a very, very interesting date, by the way, that 1871. I don't know if you guys caught that. Just saying. And that is 427 years before the Enoch that walked with God. So the dates in the very high occult writings tell us that the Enoch that they refer to is which one? The Enoch of Cain. So this unbroken line of authority comes all the way from Cain. Now let's read The Secret Doctrine by Blavatsky. Because in the esoteric world, everything is turned around. Good becomes evil and evil becomes good. Let's just check this out once more. Once that the key to Genesis is in our hands, it is the scientific symbolical Kabbalah which un unveils the secret. The great serpent of the Garden of Eden and the Lord God are identical. And so are Jehovah and Cain one. So Cain is the God of this world who gave his power to rule to his son and he dedicated a city to him and he said there. Now a city also stands for a government, doesn't it? Isn't Babylon called a city? Yes or no? So if Babylon is called a city and Enoch got the power to rule over the city and the Lord God is the same as Cain, then it means that Cain gave his power to rule to his son Enoch. And the mark of Cain was transferred, the power and authority to rule was transferred from Cain to Enoch and then in an unbroken line all the way through to the modern world according to them. That Cain, who is referred to in theology as the murderer and the liar to God, Jehovah tempts the king of Israel to number the people and Satan tempts him to do the same in another place. Jehovah turns into the fiery serpent to bite those he is displeased with and Jehovah informs the brazen serpent that heals them. These short and seemingly contradictory statements in the Old Testament, contradictory because the two powers are separated instead of being regarded as the two faces of one and the same thing, are the secret doctrine. So very, very interesting. Very interesting. Everything this guy is talking about, like I said, there's a reason why I listen to this three, almost three-hour audio for four different times. It gets better. Keep listening. Let's go to Roman law. By this Now, pay attention. He talks about Roman law. What do we always talk about in the assembly as we try to educate ourselves? What do you hear Kirk Pendergrass always talking about over there on Kirk's Law Corner? He always talks about the code, right? U.S. code is part of Roman civil law. We do not abide by Roman civil law. We abide by common law. Pay attention to what 
what uh, Walter says here. Let me restart that little section here. Let me see, hopefully I didn't go past to it. Let's jump straight into the esoteric world. And let's oh, this one. Let's go to Roman law. By this time, the governments of the world have consolidated a legal system which is second to none. There's a law for every single transgression you can think of. There are penalties for moral deeds, which are just indescribable, and permissions for immorality, which are equally indescribable. Does it ring a bell? Yeah, kind of like bills of attainder, by the way. And how did they deal with dissenters in the Roman Empire? Well, you were thrown to the lions in the Colosseum. You were crucified on a cross. You were eaten alive by animals. You were whipped with whips until your entrails hung out. The cruelty was just indescribable. And their aggression, did their aggression turn against God's people? Yes or no? Yes. It did. But they ruled, and they had power to rule. Now let's have a look at one man who lived at that time, and his name was Herod the Great. He has been described as a madman who murdered his own family and a great many rabbis. If he murdered a great many rabbis, then did he have power to do so even over God's people, yes or no? Must have had. The evil genius of the Judean nation prepared to commit any crime in order to gratify his unbounded ambition. Any crime. And the greatest builder in Jewish history is known for his colossal building projects. Does this ring a bell, Enoch? Does this ring a bell, Nimrod? The great builders? So they love their cities. They love their great monumental buildings. He's known for colossal building projects throughout Judea, including his expansion of the second temple in Jerusalem. And man, might I add, this goes without saying, it's no wonder that when you go in big cities like San Francisco, Chicago, heck, even Grand Rapids here in Michigan, um, Houston, right, San Antonio, there is a lot of Luciferian and occultism and a lot of symbols that, you know, point to that dark uh, realm, if you will. There is a lot of evil that resides in cities. Now, am I saying people that live in the cities are evil? Not necessarily, but it you're definitely outnumbered, like he said in a previous clip I just played. God's people, no matter where we go, will always be outnumbered by these scumbags. Now, excuse me, this man is a cruel, cruel ruler who has power to rule. God's people are even subject to him. And he's building a temple for the worship of Yahweh. The construction of the port at and Masada and Herodium and all of these, and uh, he was... A powerful man. The Herodian dynasty was a Judean dynasty of Edomite, Edomian descent. Herodian dynasty began with Herod the Great who assumed the throne of Judea. So he ruled over God's people. 
with Roman support and bringing down the century-long Hasmonean kingdom. His kingdom lasted until his death in 4 BCE when it was divided between his sons as Tetrarchy, which lasted about 10 years. Most of those kingdoms, including Judea, were incorporated into the provinces, etc., etc. These Judaized Edomites were not considered Jewish by the dominant Pharisaic tradition. So even though Herod may have considered himself of the Jewish faith, he was not considered Jewish by the observant and national Jews of Judea. Could we say today that there are some people who consider themselves of the Christian faith, but those who believe in the law of God and the Torah do not really consider them of the same level of knowledge in terms of Christianity, yes or no? Is that possible? Now, Herod was a loyal supporter of Hyrcanus II. Antipater appointed Herod governor of Galilee at 25 and his elder brother governor of Jerusalem, and he enjoyed the backing of Rome. But his brutality was condemned by the Sanhedrin. He was brutal. He was a ruthless man. Two years later, Antigonus, nephew, took the throne from his uncle with the help of the Parthians, and Herod fled to Rome, and there he did some pleading with his Roman rulers to restore him to power, and there he was elected by the Roman Senate, king of the Jews. Now here was the king of the Jews. And uh, Josephus and the encyclopedias are the sources. And Romans 9.13 says, As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I have hated. Now, does God hate people? Of course not. So what did God hate? He hated the mindset of Enoch. He hated the mindset of Enoch. And here was a man who claimed to be ruler over God's people, but he had the mindset of Enoch. And God hates that mindset. Did God permit him to rule? Yes. And this is why we also need to pray for our enemies. I know it's hard to do that, and I look, I'm the first to admit that it is very challenging to pray for our enemies, especially these reprobates who try to destroy our assembly. But we do have to pray for them, and I'm not trying to say that to sound like, oh, look at me, look at me, I'm trying to be the bigger man. No, God doesn't hate people. He just hates the mindset and the deeds that they are engaged in. This is why he gave us free will, ladies and gentlemen. Again, like, like Walter said in a previous video, he gave the people an out who were of the Cain principle, even though they don't realize they're part of the Cain principles, he gave the people that are of the Cain principles a way out. People like me, he gave me a way out. I was under the Cain principle, if I dare say, because I felt like I could just, you know, worship God how I saw fit. Yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, I worship him. No. It's all about accepting Christ in your heart, inviting him in your life and allow transformation to truly take place and hand over your life 100% over to God. Continuing. He permitted him to rule. 
His first leadership role was as governor of Galilee, a position granted to him by his father, Antipater, early on. Herod demonstrated his brutality by ruthlessly crushing a revolt in Galilee. Later, during the Parthian incursion, he flees, makes his way to Rome, where he impresses Mark Antony, and with his help, persuades the Roman senators to name him king of the Jews, so he can return and bring Judea back under Roman control. And after three years of fighting, he takes the throne and he is officially king of the Jews. And upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, set upon his throne, and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God, not of a man. Ooh, do we hear things like that? Someone today just from that little balcony opens his mouth and says, Cheap. They say, Oh, it's the voice of a God. That would be the Pope. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not glory to the Lord and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. There comes a time when the 70 times 7 is up and probation stops for the rulers who rule under the power of the mark of authority given by God to Cain to rule over the children of evil. Yeah, and I believe that time is uh, now. There comes a time where the rulers are done ruling. And that time is now, which is why we are going through this great awakening process. And again, back to how we will always be outnumbered. Do not be discouraged as you try to bring people into the knowledge of what the general general assemblies are. Don't be um, how should I say discouraged if somebody, if, if you bring 20 or 30 people to the idea and the remedy of the assemblies and what it can do for our country and how this is the only way to restore our Republic and only one joins, consider that a victory. That's a good victory. Not everybody's going to see it. And even if they see it, not everybody's going to have the fortitude or the will within them to be participant in helping restore our future for our posterity. God has handed over the children of evil to the rules of evil. You know, my wife gave classes. She was a school teacher in a very, very, very depressed, unruly, very disenfranchised school. And the children were incredibly unruly and violent. They had strangled a teacher. They had stabbed another teacher. The police were afraid to break up the gang fights in the school. And she taught in that school. Now, my wife is a timid lady, and her authority counted for naught. And so one day she said to them, all right, you don't want to listen to my rules? Then you make the rules. And they said, okay. And they started making the rules. If you do this, then that happens to you. If you do this, and they made a long list of rules the most draconian rules that you can imagine. 
Like if you chew gum or something, you will sweep the whole school with a toothbrush on your knees until the skin comes off. Rules like that. And they stuck to their rules. And there was harmony in the class. So when she couldn't rule over them, she handed them over to the mark of Cain and said, rule over the children of evil. And they said, we will increase the rules sevenfold, nay, 70 times 70. Is that, I thought that was a good example. And that's exactly what God did. He said, okay, you don't want to accept my authority? I'll hand you over to that authority. And behind that authority stands another authority. He's called the dragon. And he's blowing his evil breath upon them. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou thou not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. And it works like that. If you do good, people despise you, but eventually they sort of respect you, especially when you're dead. <laughs> Isn't that so? Yes, go and look at the monuments of all the great men that were hated and respected after their death. <laughs> so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So we are not in a perfect situation. God has given them the power to rule. We are subject to that rule, just like the children of Israel were subject to Pharaoh. There's nothing we can do about it, but we can pray. We can pray for them, and we can obey the rules of the land as far as they do not come into conflict with God's law. And then we must rely on God. That's the situation we are in. Yeah, as long as they do not come in conflict with God's law. He said something very profound there a little bit back in that audio. He said, fine, right? Like the example he gave of the, of the kids, the unruly kids in his wife's school that she taught at. Fine. You don't want to obey my authority? I'll just hand you over to their authority. Enjoy yourselves. Do you think we're ready to obey God's authority by now, considering all that we're seeing and all that's being released and all that is being shown to us? Are, do you think people are getting pushed to the precipice to the point of where we're about to turn back to God and say, okay, God, um, uh, we are very sorry. Um, we, we will obey your authority because uh, those people over there, uh, they kind of suck, and our lives were very miserable. So, um, what do we got to do? I think we're at that point. What say you guys? I think we're at that point. Yeah, April says a large number of us all are, are but not all of us, unfortunately. Yeah, I would agree with that. And Destry even said here in a few comments up, he said, knowledge, the possession of it is what is outnumbered. Hosea 4.6. <clears throat> Hosea 4.6 from the 1599 Geneva Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast refused knowledge. I will also refuse thee that thou shalt be no priest to me. And seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. It's very fitting. I would agree. 
Next audio. And yesterday he went to Assisi. And his departure time is exact. And he Now he's talking about the Pope right here. Uh, he's talking about Pope Francis. His return time is exact. He'll spend exactly 13 hours in Assisi. And his name is Francis. Is it Francis of Assisi? Or is it Francis Xavier, the co-founder of the Jesuit order, who ordered the Inquisition in Goa and proclaimed that all Sabbath keepers there should be destroyed? Now remember, he's talking about now he's getting into the Jesuits. Who else is a Jesuit agent who is a status corrector? Oh, I don't know. I know she lives in Alaska. I believe her abbreviations are uh, spelled out in my daily disclaimer. Gotta watch out for those Jesuit agents. I am fascinated with this man. Here he is seen kissing the feet of prisoners. If you look carefully, he still wears his black robes under his white robe, as you can see over there. There's his symbol in the bus. I don't want to discuss that picture further. And let's read the great controversy. When appearing as members of the order, they were a go wore a garb of sanctity, visiting prisons and hospitals, ministering to the sick and to the poor. I'm reading from the great controversy. Professing to have renounced the world and bearing the sacred name of Jesus who went about doing good, but under this blameless exterior, the most criminal and deadly purposes were concealed. It was a fundamental principle of the order that the end justifies the mean. By this code, lying, theft, perjury, assassination were not only pardonable but commendable when they served the entrance of the church. Uh, did you hear that? That things like uh, assassination, murder, all that stuff are not just uh you know allowed but commendable that's how they operate folks continue to listen to this again under various disguises the jesuits worked their way into offices of state climbing up to be the counselors of kings shaping the policy of nations they became servants to act as spies upon their masters they established colleges for the sons of princes and nobles and schools for the common people and the children of protestant parents were drawn into observance of popish rights kind of sounds like america does it not let's re let's listen to some of that again Eyes upon their masters, they established colleges for the sons of princes and nobles yep. and schools for the common people and the yep. children of Protestant parents were drawn into observance of popish rights. Yep, that definitely sounds like America to me. That's what the pen of inspiration tells us. Two swords. A medieval doctrine on the relation of church and state as explained by Pope Boniface VIII. We are taught by the word of the gospel that in this church and under her control, there are two swords, the spiritual and the temporal. This is the Pope speaking. Both of these, the spiritual and the temporal swords, are under the control of the church. Who has the mark of authority according to this? The church. Which church? Rome. The first is wielded by the church. The second is wielded on behalf of the church. 
The first is wielded by the hands of the priests, the second by the hands of kings and soldiers, but at the wish and by the permission of the priests. Sword must be sub subordinate to sword and is only fitting that temporal authority should be subject to the spiritual. This doctrine was not defined by the Pope, but reflected the mentality of the age when both priests and kings were members of the same Catholic Church in whose name Pope Boniface was speaking. Father John Hansen, Modern Catholic Dictionary. This is their writings. They control the sword. They wield the sword of authority. They have the mark of power. This is... Yep, they have the mark of power. Next audio. Who controls? The church. However, one sort ought to be subordinate to the other and temporal authority subjected to spiritual power. For since the apostle said there is no power except from God and the things that are ordained of God, Romans 13, 1 and 2, but they would not be ordained if one sword were not subordinate to the other, and if the inferior one, as it were, were not laid upwards by the other. Furthermore, we declare, we proclaim, we define that it is absolutely necessary for salvation that every human creature be subject to the Roman pontiff. Now, I didn't take this from some obscure source. I made sure I took it directly from the Vatican webpage. Did you hear that? He took that information directly from the Vatican webpage. So check that there for yourself. That's right. Next audio. Sorry if I'm blitzing through this, but there, like I said, there's a lot of audio. I think we're almost through it. I'm surprised. I thought this would take longer than normal, but ne next audio. This is we're almost there. This is very important. There you see the sign of Anu as worn by Shamash and Maduk. This is in this lodge where the leadership of the United States meets. Now we're just going to. Now he's talking about the Masonic Lodge in D.C. I believe it's the 33 uh, Masonic Lodge, if I'm not mistaken. Go through, and you see its symbol over there, which is the symbol of power. Here's the Supreme Court of the United States. What is the symbol that you see on the wall over there? It's the exact same symbol. We are rulers over the powers of evil. And we will keep them in check. We will make laws. And we will make everybody subject to our laws. But the supreme leaders also have another criterion. They are in conflict with God and with the followers of God. And their intent eventually is always to get rid of Abel or to get rid of the children of Israel. And that's why Destry put here in the chat, black robe wearing judges. Or to get rid of the Prince of Peace. Or to get rid of those who followed the Prince of Peace. Or to get rid of the remnant of the remnant. Do you see the picture throughout history? Is there any reason why it shouldn't repeat itself? So the sign of Anu is on the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Now I'll take you down into the places where they didn't take us. Welcome to the J. Edgar Hoover Room dedicated to your law enforcement community. And then there's something written here which is hard to read unless you carefully look at it, so I wrote it out for you. 
The most effective weapon against crime is cooperation. The effort of all law enforcement agency with the support and understanding of the American people. Who wields the sword? The United States of America. On behalf of whom? On behalf of the first piece. The secular power is subject to the spiritual power. FBI activities begun under Mr. Hoover's era. And there are some of the examples. And just to make sure you know what went on with him, he must have been at least a 32-degree Freemason because he's a Shriner and you have to be a 32-degree Freemason to be that, but he was probably 33. So there he is. It's interesting that he has the symbol of the, the moon and the star. We think it is Islam. It has nothing to do with it. It is the symbol of Isis and Horus. It is that symbol of power given by that first parent, given by Cain and his wife to their son, Enoch. And down through the line, through masonry, according to Pike, who traces their history back to the power of Enoch to rule. Here he's shaking hands with the president of the United States, Eisenhower. Our new cities, are they builders of cities? Yes, very much so. Who's this gentleman? This is taken in that lodge, by the way, in that room. In that room, in that lodge. That's Billy Graham, shaking hands with Hoover. There he is with the Pope. And he declared the Pope to be the moral leader of the world. Is that Jehu bowing down? Wow. Yes or no? And here you have Norman Vincent Peale, 33 degree Freemason. Took this picture myself down there in the 33 degree Washington Lodge. This is the father of the modern mega church. This is the father of the modern methodology used in the church. Who's he subject to if Rome says that the temporal power is subject to the spiritual power and that spiritual power resides in Rome? He is the father of the mega church movement. He was the mentor of Robert Schuller, who became the mentor of Hybels and of Rick Warren. And the whole plethora of modern theology comes out of this temple lodge. Here is Harry Truman, 33 degree Freemason. And there is the altar inside that shrine. Now, if you look at that altar, it's a replica of what? It's a replica of the altar of offering that was used by the Hebrews. But on top of it is not only the Bible, but the Bhagavad Gita, the Tanakh, the Quran, and the Bible. What does that symbolize? That all religions will be fused into one. So is this children of obedience or children of disobedience? Is this a way to God? of your own devising, or is it the way, the truth, and the life, nobody comes to the Father except by me? 
Well, we can see that quite clearly. Alice A. Bailey, founders of Lucifer Trust, said, there will be no dissociation between the universal church, the sacred lodge of all true masons, and the inner circle of the esoteric societies. In this way, the goals and the work of the United Nations will be solidified and a new church of God, led by all the religions and by all the spiritual groups, shall put to an end the great heresy of separateness. He's starting to kind of see the bigger picture at hand here, folks, and what we're up against and why it has been a challenge to do what we're doing when it comes to the reassembly. I'm not, it's not to say that it's impossible because nothing is impossible. But again, you know, while the military is doing what they're doing at the directives and the uh, orders of the 21 requisitions that were issued by the people in assembly, they are taking care of things on the world stage. But guess what? You and I have to take care of things at the local community level, at the state level, at the county level, at the local municipality level. Okay, because remember, we are at war. We are in a silent third world war. I forgot who said it, but they said, whoever they was, I wish I remembered, that the third world war would be a silent one. Nobody knows we're in it. No, very few people even know that Trump is still commander in chief and technically president. But again, president of what? It's a bankrupt corporation. But he is commander in chief and a head of the military. This is why we need to do what we have to do, folks. I believe we've got two more audio pieces. Let's blitz through them. I quoted rulers of evil. Now I'm quoting a Catholic bishop. Yes. Now listen to this. This, oh, when he said this, I was about, I about dropped my draw, jaw through the floorboard of my truck because I was listening to it while I was driving. I was like, you got to be kidding me. But does it surprise me? Not one bit. Former Bishop Garrett Buffard of Guatemala said the Vatican is the real spiritual controller of the Illuminati and the New World Order, while the Jesuits through the Black Pope, Jesuit General Friar Peter Hans Kolvenbach, who is now no longer the general, so he wrote this a little while ago, the present one is Adolfo Nicolas, but they're both still alive, actually control the Vatican hierarchy and the Roman Catholic Church. Bishop Buffard, who left the church and is now born again, Christian, living in Canada, based his conclusion after working six years as Vatican priest, assigned the task of passing daily sensitive correspondence between the Pope and the leaders of the Jesuit order residing at Borgo Santo Spirito, five near St. Peter's Square. Yes, the man known as the Black Pope controls all major decisions made by the Pope, and he in turn controls the Illuminati, said Bishop Buffard last week on Greg Simansky's radio show. The investigative journal, so-and-so, where archives of the startling statements can be heard in their entirety. I know this to be true since I worked for years in the Vatican and traveled with Pope John Paul II. The Pope takes his marching orders from the Black Pope as the Jesuits 
also are the leaders of the New World Order with the task of infiltrating other religions and governments of the world in order to bring about a one-world fascist government and a one-world religion based on Satanism and Lucifer. Now, in case someone says I'm a conspiracist, I didn't say it, he said it. <laughs> People can't imagine how evil and how much destruction they have caused and will cause while at the same time using the perfect cover of hiding behind black robes and professing to be men of God. See, and this is that big deception that people are falling for. These are the false prophets, the false teachers. Again, a lot of our churches are 501c3s. That is still part of the corporation. That means when you are a 501c3 and you take on a nonprofit status, basically what you're doing is you're selling your soul, you're whoring yourself out to big brother government, and you are listening to them, and they're telling you, you can talk about this, 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 and this, but you can't talk about that, this, and the other. So shut your mouth if you want to get your tax exemption. As she was just saying right here, a few of us know this uh, know that the black pope is behind the Vatican. I have even mentioned it several times on national, but nobody believes me. Well, people should really go and listen to this podcast. In fact, what I might do is I might post this snippet on true social and telegram, at least um, for those of you that don't really want to take three hours and listen to the full audio. I'll at least post this part of it. And, and Destry, what I'll do is I'll, uh, I'll send this to you or I'll find a way to post it on national because then they can hear from somebody who is actually a scholar and who's very studied on this. Um, people need to understand that the Vatican is a very evil place. This is why I refuse to step foot in a Catholic church anymore. Not to say that they're bad. And if you're Catholic, I apologize. I don't mean to offend. I grew up Catholic. My wife grew up Catholic. Our families are Catholic. But once you understand and you start knowing the real truth about what it really is, yeah, you kind of start taking on new perspectives and, 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 and just start realizing what really is important and what you really should be following. Well, what is that? The truth, the way, the light of Jesus Christ. Correct? Or am I wrong? Continuing to play. I just want to ask a question is what we read here in harmony with what we read out of the great controversy, yes or no? Yes. And that is the final question. If we can say that book must go to the world, then why is it that we war against what that book has to say? That's right. Last audio. I'll make sure I'll post that audio on Telegram and True Social, and I'll try to get it up there on a uh, posting in the forums on National. Um, I'm going to try to do that tonight because, like I said, for the next few days, I'm going to take a little sabbatical from electronics and phones. I'll have my phone on me, um, you know, but overall, I'm not going to be glued to it. So um, last audio. Here we go. Now, this is a statement that some say he never made, but many claim that he did make it. And even if he didn't make it exactly like this, this is found in others of his writings almost like this. So we can say it's quite authoritative. Woodrow Wilson wrote, I'm a most unhappy man. I have unwittingly ruined my country. A great industrial nation is controlled by its system of credit. Our system of credit is concentrated. The growth of the nation, therefore, and all our activities are on the hands of a few men. 
We have come to be one of the worst ruled, one of the most completely controlled and dominated governments in the civilized world. No longer a government by free opinion, no longer a government by conviction and the vote of the majority, but a government by the opinion and duress of a small group of dominant men. And he said that after he signed into law the Federal Reserve. And this is one of the many reasons, again, among others, okay, I mean, obviously it's kind of lower in the priority list, but I would say one of the bigger reasons of reassembling our states and getting our power back and reinstituting proper government and a republic is also to get these scumbags put away, hung, or put in front of uh, a shooting squad or firing squad for their crimes against humanity, for human trafficking and child sex trafficking and the, you know, harvesting of adrenochrome and all that other stuff. We have to assemble because of all these reasons. And one of those reasons is also the abolishment of the federal reserve continuing. Now this is the globe and mail business report, 10 September, 2013. The CEOs of some of the world's top mining companies did not come to the Vatican to pray. See Pope Francis or traipse through the sweltering halls of the Vatican Museum. They came to discuss ways to make their industry a little bit less devilish. And you have to give the Vatican credit for all-star drawing power. Any mining conference would have been envious of the guest list. Saturday's day of reflection with the mining industry, which was organized by the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace, the Vatican Department that deals with earthly matters such as promoting human rights, included the CNOs, CEOs of Anglo-American, PLC, Rio Tinto, Newmont Mining. These three men alone represented companies with well more than 100 billion US dollars in market value. Discussions taking place at the Vatican. Bilderberg. 2013, welcome to 1984. After 59 years of Bilderberg, guests scuttling through the shadows, ducking lenses, etc., etc., here they come. And there is this lady, Acadia, who is the IMF boss today. She's a Bilderberger. In my previous lecture, I showed that the Bilderbergers were formed and started by the Jesuits. Now, here's an interview which is rather fascinating. And this interview, if we can have the sound up in a moment, this interview is with a whistleblower. Now, whistleblowers are causing quite a bit of trouble for the current regimes. And this is no ordinary whistleblower. This was one of the advisory lawyers in the International Monetary Fund. This is one of the whistleblowers who blew the whistle on multi-billion frauds and eventually, for her whistleblowing, she got a pink slip. But let's listen to what this person, with her insight within the financial systems of the world, has come up with in her thinking. Hello, I'm Greg Hunter. Welcome to USAWatchdog.com. With us today, a brand new guest. Her name is Karen Houdis. Uh, she is an attorney, she is a banker, and she is a whistleblower. Karen Houdis, thank you so much for joining us today from Maryland. Thank you so much. Well, you work for the World Bank for a better part of 20 years. You are an Ivy League trained attorney. Uh, you are, went to Ivy League school. I think you went to Yale. 
you uh, you work for the World Bank as a lawyer. You're a banker, and you were a whistleblower inside the World Bank, not just one time, but several times. It crescendoed with a a big, uh, almost a billion dollar, uh, you know, whistleblowing fraud, malfeasance in the World Bank in Indonesia. And for that, you got a pink slip in 2009. Getting back to the Federal Reserve and the Bank for International Settlements, um, these groups are in cahoots with the biggest crooks of all, the Jesuits that bought up Bank of America, and they have little secret deals to try to apportion the riches of the world. And in the meantime, all of the... Wait, wait, wait. Is it the Bank of America? Is this the same Bank of America who was screwing with people's deposits like not that long ago? (laughs) Continuing. Countries of the world know that this thievery is going on. We are talking about the biggest thuggery of all, and that is the Jesuits in the Vatican. And let me tell you what I just found out. Um, I always thought that the CIA was the problem and the, you know, the other intelligence agencies. Guess what? There's a grand intelligence agency that the Vatican puts out, and all of those other crooks are operating under the Vatican intelligence agency. The money That's is what's about- going on. The money is about the control and the the Vatican Intelligence Agency, the World Intelligence Agency. They're talking about we're fighting over money, over what money we're going to use. No, that's, controls that's the, the money. thing I'm saying, Greg. They're not fighting. They've all agreed. The fighting is what we're led to believe. They're all in cahoots, just like all the banks are in cahoots. All of these intelligence agencies are in cahoots. That's too. right. For example, people don't know that their IRS revenue is going to the Vatican. That's right. Now, there's a whistleblower. And I don't think she's a fool. Not only the Vatican, but our uh, tax dollars were going over to London as well. I think she saw through it. Pope John Twenty-third made the following statement. The mark of Cain is stamped upon our foreheads. Across the countries, our brother Abel was slain in the blood which we drew and shed tears we caused by forgetting thy love. Forgive us, Lord, for the curse we falsely attributed to their name as Jews. Forgive us for crucifying thee a second time in their flesh, for we knew not what we did. Wow. Now, lest I be accused of being an anti-Semite, I am not. Lest I be accused of being an anti-Catholic, I am not. I'm not anti-anyone, I'm just pro-Jesus Christ. That's right. But he claims the mark of Cain. I'm going to play that again. We are not anti-anything, we are just pro-Jesus Christ. I'm just pro-Jesus Christ. That's right. But... He claims the mark of Cain is stamped upon their foreheads. He's just stating a fact. He knows it. They have the mark of Cain. They have the authority to rule. And they are exercising the authority. And what he says is that they slew Abel all over again in the form of the Jews, but they want to be forgiven for that. Does he ask forgiveness for the Inquisition? And the slaughter of millions of Christians? No. Because those who reject Christ are part of his mindset. So all that he has done in the statement 
has said, the mark of Cain is on upon our forehead, and we welcome into our midst anyone who has the same enmity against Jesus Christ. And there you go, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you got a lot from that. Like I said, collectively with all those audio pieces, you probably heard roughly about 38 to 39 minutes worth of the under three hours worth of that piece. I will find it on YouTube. I will um, I will post it in Telegram and True Social. And as far as those last two audio cuts that talk about the Jesuits running the Vatican and Bank of America and having an ultra-intelligence agency within the Vatican, which is ran and operated by the Jesuits, I will make sure that those all get posted. Um, but yeah, this is this is what Destry was saying here earlier. This is why Trump took back over 600 plane loads of gold from the Vatican. Like I said, folks, on a world level and a global level, things are getting taken care of. I mean, we're seeing a cleanup occur over there in Israel. Now, the media and other podcasters would be telling you a different story and showing something else uh, to cover up what's really going on, why they would do that. I don't know. I have my speculations. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> we're seeing a massive cleanup on a global level, again, per the executive orders that Trump put forward, right? But that doesn't mean the military is the only way. That doesn't mean they're going to come in our local level and our county levels and they're going to help fix our counties and our states. No, that is up to us. And I'm not going to keep, well, no, that's a lie. I will keep saying it and I will keep pounding that nail down into the wood. But we are the ones that need to fix our state and county levels. The military. World Alliance, they are fixing things on a global level. They are cleaning up things on a worldwide level. We, again, listen, if you listen to the beginning of my podcast opening show, the song, where it cuts to Trump, it says, we are taking power away from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you the people giving it back to you giving it back to you the people Destry just said right here the power of the people is us not the military remember the military is subordinate to the people to the civil power we are the civil power I understand why Kirk gets so frustrated on his Monday night laws like he did yesterday. I was listening to his show today, which, by the way, go over there and check it out, kirkslawcorner.com. And if you want to know, know more about your assembly in your state or your county, you can go chime in the forums and find your state, find your county at www.national-assembly.net. It's www.national-assembly.net. Go over there, poke around. You get a lot of information, a lot of knowledge. But I understand why Kirk was very frustrated when he tries to explain this stuff because very few people explain this stuff. Nobody talks about this stuff. You don't hear this stuff on SGT Report. You don't hear this stuff on Bards FM. 
yeah, but Jason, he, he, he worked with special forces and he was, you know, he was in the national guard and he worked with a lot of special forces. Whoop the freaking do woo wee! break out the champagne and get the parades going for somebody who worked with special forces and served his country. Whoop the freaking do I'm not diminishing his service, but he is not all that in a bag of chips. The guy does not cover what Kirk covers on his show. The guy is quite frankly a clown, an ass clown, in my opinion. You don't, I mean, look, I like listening to X-22 report, but you don't hear him talking about the laws of war. Sure, he might bring up Executive Order 13818 and certain EOs that Trump signed. You don't hear this on And We Know. You don't hear this on, on uh, what is it, uh, um, uh, Charlie Ward's show. You don't hear the Patriot Street Fighter. What a stupid name, by the way. What a stupid, stupid name. He sounds like a juvenile. The Patriot Street Fighter. You don't hear him talking about the laws of war and what's going on with the military, military law, and what is actually going on. No, they fear porn. They play on your emotions. They get you worked up. They start, they keep putting out these stupid dates and these predictions and this and that. And, oh, we're just waiting just another few more days for the EBS to go off. Oh, yeah. That's what these people do. Meanwhile, they take your fear and they try to make a way to turn it into profit. How can I take the suspect, you know, the, the people who want their ears tickled. Remember the Bible is very clear on that too. How do I get the people's ears to get tickled by my words and get them so stoked with fear and, and, and raise their anxiety levels and get them wanting more so I can keep them coming back and profiting on them. Destry was saying right here, that is what they do when they lack proper answers, which we have. That is correct. And yes, they attack us for it. That's exactly it. Now, I'm not saying the EBS ain't going to go off. It goes off and it goes off like Nancy says. But at the end of the day, folks, Pay attention to what Trump says. Pay attention to his speeches. Pay attention to the military. Pay attention to what's going on on the flight trackers. You know, I've been scouring that flight tracker off and on throughout the day, yesterday and today. It was interesting. I actually saw some Navy uh, aircrafts going over Michigan. Now, they were just flying over, of course, but Army helicopters. And look, we don't have any military bases in Michigan. We have National Guard. But we don't have military installations like a Navy base or an Air Force base or anything like that. But yeah, we had, uh, and there was a very special Army jet. And when I say jet, not a fighter jet, like a Lear jet, it, it was labeled Priority Army. Uh, it was like a Priority Army plane. I, it was weird. I don't know. It looked like a civilian plane to me, but uh, it was very interesting. Um, what else did I see go over too? I saw uh, just lots of interesting military traffic in our skies, as well as over the Mediterranean in and out of Israel. Well, I want to go back to uh, what's his face? Um, Rattletrap1776 on Telegram. He was also posting, let's go ahead and add these to the list. Romanian Air Force, Spain, Japan, 
Chechnya, Poland, Netherlands, Belgium, Germany, Canada, Mexico. He already said all that. France and Italy. Yeah. Brazilian air uh, military was in and out of uh, Israel, Hungary, Bulgaria, the United Arab Emirates, United Kingdom. We already knew that. United States. We already knew that. Argentina. We already knew that. Here's a new one. Colombian. Colombia. He said all in Israel in the past two weeks for a, quote, war against Hamas and their 30,000 soldiers? Really? Military occupation, law of war manual, federal continuity directives and continuity of operations plan, war powers resolution act, declaration of war. Biden told you his press in his press conference. We adhere, this is what Biden said, quote unquote, we adhere to the rule of law, the law of war. It matters. There's a difference. The Secretary of Defense is also the one calling the shots, not Biden. Per Executive Order 13919, found under 10 United States Code, subsection 12304, which accompanies Executive Order 13912, found in 10 United States Code, subsection 12302, which is how Donald John Trump federalized 1 million reserves to active duty. And none of those have been terminated. All planned shadow government, a.k.a. devolution. I hope this is making sense, folks. Do not fear what the media is trying to stir in your hearts and your minds. Do not fall for the BS crap from some of these quote unquote truthers out here in the podcast, as he, as, as, as Derek Johnson calls them, the Podashians. Stop getting intertwined in their little reality TV show, which is all fraudulent and fake. Sure. They give you some good pieces of information. Sure. They might get lucky once in a while and actually say something that's actually accurate, but by and large, most of the crap they peddle is exactly what it is. Crap. I like what April says right here. I know God's got this, so I don't have any anxiety or fear about whatever is coming. And rightfully so. Just do yourselves a favor, folks. Just make sure you have enough food for at least 30 to 45 days. Water, food, storable stuff, right? Emergency supplies, essentials, toilet paper, paper towel, batteries, ammo if you have guns. Maybe some extra jugs of gasoline if you have a generator. God forbid power goes out for a, a brief moment. Just be prepared and hope we don't need it. I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it is the way I live. But don't fear or have anxiety about what they're trying to peddle out there. It's, 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 it's. You'll be all right, guys. We will be all right. It's not to say we can sit back in our lazy boy recliner and watch the show unfold. Don't watch the show. Turn the damn TV off. Be part of the solution. Get involved in your assembly. Have conversations with your neighbors and friends and coworkers about what the assembly is. It's very easy. 
Just have the conversations and let God lead you where he's going to lead you. It'll be fine. So anyways, it'll be a few days before I get back on the podcast. I would say Sunday night, this coming weekend, I'll be back on the air. It's going to be nice getting away from the computer and getting away from the phone and getting away from the radio and the CB and the truck and just chill. Just chill. Nancy was saying right here in the chat, and the reason I'm reading this is because I had that fear for a while. She says, I'm just hoping the power grid doesn't go down in cold in the cold winter. I had that same fear. I don't think it will. <clears throat> I really honestly, that's my opinion and my thoughts. I really honestly don't think it will. I think we'll lose internet. I think we'll lose our communications there for a minute. I think that will happen. Our power grid, I don't think that's going to go down. But I do believe that we will um, have trouble accessing cash out of our ATMs because of the internet going down. I think we would have a problem accessing our grocery stores because people are going to freak out and riot a little bit. I think we'll have a problem with that. Hence why you want to have 30 to 45 days worth of food until, you know, order gets, you know, restored by the military, you know, because it'll, they, they can quelch that in a day or two. But as far as the grid going down, I honestly don't think that would happen. Yeah. Shoot, Destry's got a point there. He says many Alaskans are off-grid because no power is available in a lot of areas. Yeah, you're absolutely right. He also puts Starlink not going down. So for those of you out there who are contemplating Starlink, Starlink will not go down. So there's that. But yeah, April says that would be worst-case scenario, but I have good friends with uh, wood heat. <laughs> Listen, if the power grid does go down, it's going to make it very interesting. It'll make it very interesting. We'll be good. I think we will be just fine. We will be just fine. Not to worry. So, ladies and gentlemen, remember, as it states in Joshua 1.9, do you remember? Do you remember what Joshua 1.9 says? It says, I command you. This is a command by God, by the way. He says, I command you, be strong and steadfast. Do not fear, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Ladies and gentlemen, let that resonate with your spirit. Everything's going to be fine. God bless, ladies and gentlemen. Don't be rude. You are fake news. Go ahead.
Remember, ladies and gentlemen, remember, ladies and gentlemen, we are firm, we are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. The enemy has crossed that line for the last time. It is up to people like you and I to hold that line. They've crossed the line way too many times, and it is time for us to stand up this republic and get after it. We gotta do this for God. We gotta do this for our families. We gotta do this for America, for the voiceless. It's time to get after it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining the show. Get to check out the website www.hisheartline.com and if you want to know more about how to get involved with your assembly go to www.national-assembly.net that's www.national-assembly.net it's time to get active ladies and gentlemen let's go Joining us here at His Heart Line. 
see you back here next time. Okay. And I almost forgot the prayer. We cannot forget about the prayer. I was getting in here and I looked at my notes. I'm like, oh no. So better late than never, right? So let's conclude with the prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you today with hearts full of gratitude, as we do every day, for the wisdom and the guidance that's found in 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 through 18, that we read earlier. Those words remind us of the importance of discernment in our associations and the need to remain faithful to your values. Lord, help us to be cautious in forming close relationships and partnerships, ensuring that they align with our faith and our values. We ask that you grant us the strength to recognize the stark difference between righteousness and wickedness, light and darkness, and belief in Christ versus unbelief. And may we always choose connections that honor you. We are humbled by the realization that we are your temple, a dwelling place for your presence. Help us to live our lives in a way that reflects this truth, bringing glory to your name. Lord, we also seek your guidance in maintaining separation from impurity and grant us the courage to come out from among those who do not share our faith, to remain separate from unclean practices and associations. And may this separation be a testimony of our commitment to the purity and faithfulness to you. Lastly, we eagerly anticipate the promise of being received as your sons and daughters when we follow your commandments. And may we experience the depth of the familiar, the familial relationship you offer us. And we pray all these things in your Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry about that. Did not mean to overlook and forget the prayer. You know me. I would never do that. I definitely had a squirrel moment. So I hope you all have a great day, great night, wherever you're at in the world. And we'll see you back here on Sunday evening. God bless, ladies and gentlemen. That would be for the epic failure that I just did here. God bless.